Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hello, wonderful people. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Girl Next Door. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, We are in for a pretty um, serious ride today. I want to unpack something that you might or might not be aware of that has happened in the last couple of days in America about this whole um, piece of legislation known as Roe v. Wade having been overturned. And this is uh, a piece of abortion legislation. So I want to unpack this today. Um, Some of you might not have a clue what I'm talking about, and that's totally okay. You are going to completely understand this by the end. Some of you might have some knowledge or or a lot of knowledge on this, Um, but really it's all around um, this whole topic of abortion. And uh, I'm going to split today into four parts. Um, So first, we're going to look at what Roe v. Wade um, even is. Like I'll explain that and unpack it. And then we're going to look at actual abortion laws, including here in Australia. Then we're going to look at how this piece of legislation that's been around for 50 years, how that was overturned. And then finally, what implications that this is going to have now, because you guys might or might not have realized on Saturday morning that we woke up to this massive news uh, that Roe v. Wade had been overturned. I woke up Saturday morning, grabbed my phone, um, had a look at Instagram, and because I follow a lot of conservative people, I am seeing this massive news, Roe v. Wade overturned. And of course, it's completely divided America. It's divided the world as usual. Um, but I want you guys to know that this is actually one of the most significant, if not the most significant pieces of legislation to have ever been overturned. And the event that just happened on, it was Friday their time, Saturday our time, is one of the most significant events to ever happen in history. This will change the course of history and you and I get to live in the middle of this. So I want to um, help you understand how important that this is. Um, so like I said, I'm going to over, uh, I'm going to unpack it Um especially the controversy around it being overturned. Now, before I get any deeper, I just want to warn you that although we're going to be mostly focusing around the Roe v. Wade, um, I've not really talked a lot about abortion in the I haven't talked about it at all, actually, on the podcast. I have never felt to talk about it. Um, probably something I've never told you guys is I really get a sense each week of what I should um, what I should be talking about. And I have often thought about doing abortion and never felt right about it. And uh, with this happening, I felt like the timing was right. But I will be focusing around the Roe v. Wade. But I just wanted to um, let you guys know and to warn you that there will be some sensitive material covered. So I just wanted you to be aware of that. All right. So let's unpack firstly, what is Roe v. Wade? First of all, Roe and Wade were the names of um, two people, um, which I'll explain to you who they were. And the V in the middle just mean versus. So it's Roe versus Wade. I have often heard of Roe v. Wade being referred to in movies and never fully understood previously what exactly um, they were talking about. 
So it basically was a legal case to do with the right to abort a child. Um, And of course, this is an issue that politicians use to campaign on, especially in America. So I'll give you an example. Just in 2016, when they had their elections, Hillary Clinton and Trump were completely opposing, had completely opposing views on this topic. So uh, Hillary Clinton um, campaigned pro-abortion, pro a woman's right to choose. Trump, on the other hand, campaigned pro-life and, by the way, was the only president in the history of America to attend a March for Life rally. So the reason this is important for us guys is because what happens in America always overflows to the rest of the world, especially to us here in Australia. So in a nutshell, Roe v. Wade was a landmark decision in 1973 of the U.S. Supreme Court, which by the way, the U.S. Supreme Court is the highest court in America, in which the court ruled that the Constitution of the U.S. generally protects a pregnant woman's right to choose to have an abortion. Okay, so this law has been in place for 49 years. So for almost half a century, this legal ruling has allowed women in America to freely access abortion services. So who were Roe and Wade? So um, there was a woman who I think this started in around 1969. Uh, There was a woman called Norma McCorvey, and she went by the pseudonym, pseudonym name Jane Roe. So when you hear the row part, it actually refers to this woman called Norma McCorvey. Now she lived in Texas and at the time in Texas, it was only, it was only legal to abort a pregnancy if it presented a risk to the mother's life. So Jane Roe, AKA Norma McCorvey sued for her right to terminate her pregnancy So the defendant in this case representing the Texas law was an attorney called Henry Wade. Okay, so you've got Jane Rowe, aka Norma McCorvey, suing suing the the Texas law. um, And in this case, the person fighting for that, the attorney was Henry Wade for her right to terminate her pregnancy. Because remember what I said at the time, pregnancy um, abortion was only acceptable if it presented a risk to the mother's life. So she argued against the defendant, Wade, that the Texas laws were unconstitutional because they were vague and denied her right to privacy. So in other words, the state law in Texas was unconstitutional because of the the national law, which um, said that every citizen in America had a right to privacy. So that's how she fought it. Now, Roe was supported by the US women's right movement. Now, this legal battle took years and eventually she took it out of Texas all the way to the Supreme Court. In the Supreme Court, the judges ruled in a seven to two majority that yes, those Texas laws were unconstitutional. 
And their reason was that while the American Constitution made no mention of abortion, the right to privacy was implied and that should extend to a person's reproductive decisions. So the court ruling meant in 1973 that all 50 states in America could not ban abortion access. So they then established um, basically a new national framework around abortion. So let me explain this because this is really, really important. Because when Roe v. Wade came into effect, the framework that they put around that is um, very different to the abortion laws that we have been seeing in more recent times. So there were three parts to the framework that they put around it. The first part was, according to Roe v. Wade, that all women have the right to an abortion in their first three months of pregnancy. That was their first uh, part of the framework. All women have the right to an abortion in their first three months of pregnancy. Number two, that the states have the right to regulate but not ban abortion in the second trimester. And number three, the government could prohibit abortions in the third trimester as the fetus's survival rate outside the womb becomes higher. In other words, a state could ban, they didn't have to, but they could ban an abortion if the fetus was at a stage that they could survive the womb. Or in other words, they could cut off abortion access once the fetus was viable, which was about 24 weeks, unless it posed a risk to the mother's life. Okay. So does that help explain to you what Roe v. Wade was? So just remember Norma McCorvey started off in Texas, takes um, the attorney Wade, they find it out in Texas, goes to the Supreme Court, which is the highest court in America, the Supreme Court rule in a majority seven to two that no longer could abortion um, under the constitution be banned. But then they set up that three-part framework, which is very different to where abortion laws, um, you know, they've it started off there, but they've definitely pushed major, major levels. So before we talk about how this got overturned, and what that means, we actually need to discuss these abortion laws. Now, some of these statistics, guys, are probably going to um, really shock you, and this is quite sensitive material. Um, but in America, almost a million babies are aborted every year. Uh, here in Australia, it's actually hard to estimate because um, according to research, most states don't report their abortion data funny that. Um, but from what I could find, it seems that in Australia, there seems to be somewhere between 65 to 75,000 abortions every year. Now, worldwide, there have been 60 million children killed by abortion. Okay. So that is a huge figure, 60 million. I'm not going to go into many de you know, details on that today. That's for another podcast. But Let's have a look at um, the history of abortion laws. So abortion laws um, way before Roe v. Wade, because like I said, since Roe v. Wade, abortion laws have gone way past the framework. So let's look at um, the early 1800s 
in the early 1800s, abortions were basically, surprisingly guys, even way back then, they were legal. They were allowed in the first trimester, so the first 12 weeks, um, and specifically before the woman had not felt the fetus. That was a very uh, important part of it. Then about in the 1850s, the American Medical Association came out against abortion, and then the Catholic Church did as well. So in the 1850s, Congress passed a new law that then prohibited the distribution of abortion-inducing drugs. So by the 1880s, abortion was banned nationwide. So you can see it's been very controversial for a couple of hundred years. Now, these things began to shift. From the 1880s, it stayed the same, that it was banned nationwide, but then we come into the 1960s with, of course, the rise of women's movements, women's rights, and feminism. So by the 1970s, several states had started to legalize abortion. Um, And then, of course, with the introduction of Roe v. Wade in 1973, um, then you had states uh, coming in and doing all sorts of, there are too many states to talk about them individually, but all the different states had lots of different laws. But basically it um, was no longer criminalized because of Roe v. Wade. And so um, legalized abortion happened in most states. Um, So when Roe v. Wade happened, the Supreme Court kept the core principles intact, which were those three that I mentioned before, which was basically the right to abortion at the early stages of pregnancy. But then in 1992, the Supreme Court heard another case called Casey. And this basically upheld the concept of Roe, but it also acknowledged that government restrictions on abortion procedures are okay as long as they don't pose an undue burden on the woman's right to choose. So that's where we started to see a lot of um, um, pushing of the boundaries um, on abortion laws since 1992 because we've seen a whole heap of litigation around what is or what is not an undue burden on a woman's right to choose. So I thought I'd go through a few of the different um, rules that are in different states of America, and then I'll talk about Australia. But depending on what state you live in in America, in some states, uh, the abortion is legal until cardiac activity is detected. In other states, it's legal up to 20 weeks. In other states, it's legal up to 22 weeks. In some states, it's legal up to 24. In some, it's legal up to six months or 26 weeks. Um, In some, it's legal up to fetus viability, which I talked about before, which is also at about, can be anything between kind of 24 and 28 weeks. And in some states, there is no gestational limit at all, which means that they are legally able to abort um, at any moment right up until birth. So in other words, it is legal in many states in America um, to abort a baby at any age. Um, whether he or she could survive out of the womb or not. 
We also have what's known in America as waiting laws. So um, once a woman decides, yes, I want to have an abortion, in some states, um, there's no waiting period. They can go and do that straight away. In other states, there are waiting periods of less than 24 hours. And then in other states, there's periods of 24 hours or more. Also, some states require mandatory counseling, other states require none. Some require mandatory ultrasounds uh, before the abortion and some do not. Some require that when the ultrasounds are performed, that the images have to be shown to the woman before she aborts the baby and others do not. So as you can see, there is a lot of scope here. Uh, we're talking anything from it being only legal in the first trimester to being able to abort a baby all the way up until um, birth and for the mother to make that decision, anything from uh, to make it and have the abortion straight away to having to wait a very short period of time. Now, in Canada, there are no laws or restrictions on abortion. Anything is allowed. What about here in Australia? Here in Australia, it's determined by each state or territory. So if you want to know more about the state you live in, go and do some research. But let me use my state as an example. Um, the new laws for abortion in Queensland came into effect in December 2018, so only four years ago. And here in Queensland, women may request a termination for any reason without question, up until 22 weeks. Uh, now, a termination may be performed after 22 weeks, only if two medical practitioners agree. So the question that I had was, okay, here in Queensland, can you therefore have an abortion right up until birth? Guys, do what I did and try Googling this and you will not get a straight answer. I Googled that. Can you know? Um, can you have an abortion um, at 39 weeks or can you have an abortion right up until birth in Queensland? All you'll get over and over again is the same rhetoric that the legislation says you can have a termination after 22 weeks if two medical practitioners agree. So in other words, it does mean, yes, here in Queensland, you can get an abortion right up until birth, uh, but they refuse to say it like that because um, that clearly sounds just too graphic, but that's exactly what they mean. What they won't say is that abortions may be performed in Queensland from 22 weeks right up until birth. They just refuse to say it. Um, now, I was really kind of surprised when I started researching this to learn that the state that I live in, that we here in Queensland have one of the most brutal and extreme abortion laws in the world. And one of the reasons is we have no ban on the partial birth abortions. I don't even want to say on this podcast what a partial birth abortion is, but when I when I researched and I Googled this, um, I was really, oh gosh, I was really upset and mortified. So um, go and look that up for yourself. I don't want to say it here. If we do talk about it in another podcast, I'll give you plenty of warning. But something that we do have here is um, babies born alive from a failed abortion. We know that they are actually left to die 
and they are left unattended. And in the last um, few years since we've had uh, abortions have been legalized here in Queensland, there have been 200 babies that we, um, well, that I could find that I was told from a very good source and um, that the 200 babies at least have been left to die this way in Queensland, that they were born after a failed abortion and they are not allowed to be attended to, uh, given pain relief um, or, or or cuddled, or they just are left to die. So that's where we find ourselves today. So let's have a look at this whole um, thing that happened that's blown the world apart uh, on Saturday morning, which was Friday in America, that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. So this legislation that was made in America in 1973, that was passed in America, that legalized um, abortion. But of course, like I said, with all those caveats, and then each state could um, uh, make their own decisions as to how far that they went. Well, that's now been overturned. It's been reversed. So how did this happen? So what happened is once again, it rested heavily on one case. So if this piece of legislation came into being because of one case, Roe versus Wade, then it has been reversed because of another individual case. One case can change everything. So if this first case was Roe v. Wade from Texas, this time the Supreme Court were considering a case in Mississippi called Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Uh, the case was challenging a law passed in Mississippi which banned abortions after 15 weeks. So this case were their case was that this law violated Roe v. Wade, which does not ban abortion until a fetus is viable, which is 24 weeks. So in other words, the Mississippi law they were saying was too tough by banning the abortion after 15 weeks. They were saying it's too tough in the light of the Roe v. Wade case. So on Friday, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Mississippi. In other words, the Supreme Court supported their right to ban abortion after 15 weeks. Effectively, they were going against their own Roe v. Wade ruling, which therefore ended the constitutional right of Americans to an abortion and overturned the initial um, passing of the Roe v. Wade case. So how did the Supreme Court do this? How did they effectively rule against itself? Well, over time, um, the there are a number of justices, I think, I think I'm pretty sure it's nine. It could be 12, but I want to say nine. Um, nine justices um, sit at the Supreme um, High Court. Uh, they're the ones that make the rulings. Um, yeah, it is nine because originally it was Roe v. Wade was one um, because of a 7-2 majority. So what's happened is when Trump came into power in 2016, he promised that he would put at least three conservative judges on the Supreme Court if he could before he, um, if he only had one term uh, as president, that was one of his goals was to make sure that he, if he could put three conservative leaning judges in the Supreme Court with the intention, and his intention was 
this from the very start to overthrow Roe v. Wade. Now, before Trump left office, that's exactly what he did. So there were three judges who were um, added to or uh, put in place of other judges who left for whatever reason, one of them being that one of them died. Um, and so what happened was when they re-voted on this, and there was a leaked email a little while ago, actually, um, that said that there was a hint uh, and a leak that the Supreme Court were working behind the scenes to overturn Roe v. Wade, and it's exactly what happened. So the conservative judges basically helped uh, to form the majority. So what this means is there is no national constitutional law in America now supporting abortion. So what that means is abortion laws will be determined by each state. Let me just say too, I forgot to say this a second ago, it's not just because Trump put the three conservative um, judges in. It's also because for many, many, many decades, there've been a lot of people in America who are pro-life that have been um, uh, protesting and um, and marching and um, working hard towards overturning these laws. So it's not it's not just because of what he did by stacking the Supreme Court. There's a lot of different things in play. But now uh, abortion laws in America uh, will be determined by each state. So for many states, this actually means that abortion will be immediately criminal criminalized. So from what I know so far, uh, there are 50 states in America, and from what I know, at least 26 of them immediately had what's called a trigger law, uh, where they were waiting for this to be overturned. And the second that it was going, that it was overturned, which is what happened Friday, that um, abortion became criminalized in those states, with a couple of exceptions. Uh, for example, one of the exceptions um, that I see is if the mother's life is at risk. But then there are other states like California, New York, Colorado, who are as progressive as Queensland, and there are still in those states virtually no restrictions on abortions because the states can still um, make their own laws. Now, one of the reasons that this is so political is because traditionally the blue states, which are the Democrats, you know, here we've got red is labor and blue is liberal. It's kind of the opposite in America. So blue are the Democrats, which are like labor here. Um, so they're in office at the moment. That's Biden. Um, he's the president. The blue, the Dems are very pro-abortion and pro-choice. And then the red states, which is kind of like our liberal or what our liberal used to be. It's not so conservative anymore. But the red states are the Republicans who used to be, Trump used to be the president and they're very pro-life. So it's also very political. So where we're, where we're at now, guys, is the fight is really just beginning because each state now has to decide what their laws are going to be around abortion. And oh my gosh, there is so there is so much stuff going on uh, in America. So abortion activists and pro-abortion, pro-choice people across America and the world are really, really furious about what has happened. And what that will mean in the immediate is that Planned Parenthood, which are the government-funded women's health centers, 
which really are the abortion centers, they are going to be shut down all over the country. So what immediate implications does this have? Uh, What it does mean is there needs to be in America a huge increase in pregnancy care and in care that the mothers receive after. So it's one thing for people to um, protest for uh, against abortion and to be pro-life, but um, there, America's very different to Australia. Like I know of one pregnancy centre here in Queensland, and um, I know the lady that runs it. They do a beautiful job. I've been to a breakfast there with uh, Senator Amanda Stoker. But in America, those pregnancy care centres are literally everywhere, and a lot of churches support them, and so they're going to need to continue to do that. Um, Uh, Christians especially will need to reach deep into their pockets and help fund those centers. So I thought I would just finish off. I hope that helps you to understand the whole Roe v. Wade and and where we're at. But um, there's, uh, there's just so many differing views on what's the compassionate thing to do. So let me give you a couple of thoughts around this. Um, First start is when you hear people say that it's an uncompassionate thing to do, and of course they always bring up things like, well, what about, um, you know, if a, a baby is ill or um, if the baby's been conceived by rape or something like that. But what we need to know is that 98% of abortions are actually um done for social reasons and convenience. So when we hear about those other circumstances, they make up literally not even 2%. So 98% of abortions are for social and convenience. So the reactions have been really split on this. On the one side, the conservatives, the pro-life, they are all so relieved and absolutely ecstatic. They have seen abortion as the genocide of this generation. They've been fighting for decades. On the other end of the scale are those who are progressive, pro-choice, pro-abortion, and they've been using words like heartbroken, and they have been absolutely furious. So we've seen uh, Democratic politicians like AOC, Nancy Pelosi, Michelle Obama making massive statements about how this is taking us backwards, how this is taking women's freedoms and complete government overreach. And there are many protesting, some violently in the streets and of course, all over social media. Let me quickly read to you Michelle Obama's thoughts that she posted. Uh, This is how she started it. I am heartbroken today. So we're seeing a very emotive language like that. I'm heartbroken for people around this country who just lost the fundamental right to make informed decisions about their own bodies. I'm heartbroken that we may now be destined to learn the painful lessons of a time before Roe was made law of the land, a time when women risked losing their lives getting illegal abortions, a time when the government denied women control over their reproductive functions. There's a lot that I could say on that. Joe Biden's also been going to town on a lot of posts. Uh, His latest one, he said, this is an extreme and dangerous path the court is now taking us on. 
I find it so funny when the court rules in their favor, it's wonderful. And when the courts don't rule in their favor, it's not democracy, it's extreme and dangerous. AOC, uh, she called this an uh, illegitimate. She's calling the Supreme Court illegitimate. Um, no, this is called democracy. You just didn't get your way this time. So again, it's okay to accept democracy, but only when you agree. So I want to finish off with a reel that I found on Instagram because I think this girl, I don't even know who she is, but I think that she says it best. And so we'll end with this one, but have a listen to this. Right. You know who the left should blame for the overturning of Roe versus Wade? Not the Supreme Court, not Christians, not conservatives, not Republicans, not pro-lifers. The only ones they should be blaming are themselves. It is 100% their fault Roe got overturned. A lot of people, myself included at one point in time, could sympathize with the scared teenager, with the drug addict who had no business bringing a baby into this world. We could understand that we didn't like it, we didn't agree with it, but we could at least understand it. We went from safe, legal, and rare to up to the moment of birth. We gave you an inch and you took a mile. I think she said that really well. We could sympathize with the scared teenager or the drug addicted mother. We might not have liked it, but we could understand it. But we have gone from safe, legal, and rare to up to the moment of birth. And that's what I was saying about the initial framework of Roe v. Wade. They put parameters around abortion. They put parameters being it could only be done in the first trimester, then the parameter of allowing the states to regulate in the second trimester, and then that the government could prohibit third trimester once the baby could survive outside the womb. Then because this was challenged further in 1992, we have gone from safe, legal and rare to up until the moment of birth. And I really do agree with her. We gave them an inch and they took a mile. And that is why Roe v. Wade was overturned because abortion laws have become so extreme. Um, To be able to kill a child up until, not only up until the moment of birth, but to leave a baby to die that's born from a failed abortion, that is no longer abortion, that is infanticide. And so that is just really crazy that we have come to accept that as a society. Um, So there is just so much more to be said about this whole topic of abortion. We haven't talked at all about how abortions are performed There is a lot of information that you might not know that would probably really um, mortify you or upset you if you were to really understand the full implications that abortion is not just the taking of a pill, which can only be done up until about the eight-week mark. Uh, The procedures change according to the trimester, and the further, of course, that you go, the more brutal that they become. But that is for unpacking on another podcast. I'd also like to look at the arguments that people present for and against and to unpack those uh, with you guys. 
But for now, we're going to leave this topic and move on to something else next week. I actually had something else planned for this week, but when this topic happened, when I opened up my phone on Saturday and I saw this unfold, I was like, we have to talk about this. You know that I love to bring you the stuff that's happening in real time, that's the most current, and nothing could be more current than the overturning of 50-year-long abortion laws. So I hope that that has helped you that the next time you hear about or see Roe v. Wade, you know exactly uh, what we're talking about. So thank you for joining me. Um, I really uh, appreciate you guys so much, and I look forward to being back with you on Friday for our parenthood episode. I'll see you then. Until then, have a wonderful week. Bye.